But as a leader, to manage my own emotional state, I had to be able to look at cancellations purely as a metric. That was it. Mm. We got this many new clients and we lost this many clients. When I look at it the num- numbers point of view, as long as the number's not crazy high, I can feel comfortable with that. As soon as you bring in the personal element of who it was that left, why they left, what they said when they left, as soon as that hits me, the emotions come flying in. There are people out there who act from fear themselves. I've experienced it in my client base where the reason they're coming out with their hand out going on like a refund, I want, sometimes it's, it's got nothing to do with your own service. They come to you out of no fault to you and they want to end it. They want to cancel a relationship, but they came to you with a problem they wanted solved. Chances are that problem still hasn't been solved or they still need yeah. what they came to you for. And there's a reason of fear. Maybe it's in their end. They're panicking. They're going, I want to cancel. I want to get out. And if we just go, oh, yeah, see you later, we're, we're letting them down if we're not delivering on what the original promise was. And I really love that frame of reference too to kind of think about. And that's something that, that I'm always conscious of going, okay, hold on. Yes, they're asking for this, but really what's the underlying thing? And Break through that niceness. Break through being lax with your terms. Hold your integrity in check and your customer's integrity in check. Now, when you can do that, when you can get really good on that, you actually upgrade your thinking and you start thinking like a Telstra. You start thinking like a larger organization. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Entrepreneurs Rising. We are here, uh, myself, Peter Moriarty, and my good friend, Carl Taylor, bringing you the news, bringing you the good stuff, uh, talking about business success, scaling, growing your business sustainably, uh, keeping your lifestyle in check, uh, and uh, our journey along the way as well. And uh, this week, we are going to be talking about, well, this episode, we're going to be talking about refunds and around business terms, uh, which is a bit of a hot topic at the moment. We've got a lot of businesses in the current economic climate who are going through some challenges, and through those challenges, uh, everyone's looking to cut costs and uh, you know look at probably their own business terms, but I'm sure you've been contacted by your customers asking at some point, can I have a discount or can I cancel? And if they are outside of your business terms, how do you handle that? Uh, when do you when do you not give refunds? So we're going to dive right deep into that. And I've got my good, my not just my good, my great, my amazing co-host here with me, Carl. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing amazing. I was just, I was just in awe witnessing that amazing introduction. I, was just, <laughs> I just, I just, I, you know, I had, I had thoughts to say something. I was like, no, I'm just going to let it ride because everyone wants to listen to the hanging on the words that you say, Peter. Every <laughs> listener can't get enough of Peter Moriarty. Uh, oh, it's great thanks, to be mate. here. So you you called me this week and you asked me about a situation that you have with a customer. Uh, you were curious whether or not, uh, in my advice or in my opinion, you should refund this customer and uh, and how I think you had two customers actually, uh, and uh, and you asked my advice on that. Let's let's start with that. What was the situation that you were in and uh, and why did that prompt this question? So in recent times. Uh, obviously, with, with COVID-19 and things that have happened at the time that we're recording this, obviously, every business is having more people reaching out for cancellations, refunds, requests. And, and in general, um, an automation agency, we've always had in our terms that there's no refunds outside of our initial 30-day money-back guarantee period. But recently, it's come to my attention that while that's in our terms, 
as, a, as an organization, as a customer service, we've been bending those rules a lot and we've been giving a lot more refunds outside of our terms than um, was originally designed. And that was brought to my attention by some friends who were like, what are you doing? You know, you should be, the terms of these terms, you should be enforcing them. And then I kind of took on that, that, that advice and we started to look at our, our processes internally to, to kind of get a, a control on that. And then it's like divine timing all of a sudden, uh, like a day or two days later, I get two customers reach out to go, you know, they've just been charged, you know, it's just hit their credit card transaction and they reach out and say, hey, actually, I was planning on reaching out to cancel you. Can you refund this recent charge, please, and cancel my account? And so you know, you know, terms, it's a test, right? That's like a test from the universe. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's, like, it's like you've learned this lesson. Let's see if you've actually learned it. And all of a sudden it was, it was tricky because it was like, well, technically our terms have a notice period. You need to give us, as per our terms, you need to give us a certain period of notice before you would, um, that you're going to cancel uh, to, so therefore we would know and then wouldn't be in the situation of needing to give someone a refund. That's what the terms are. And what I've found and I've struggled and I'm, I'm sure I'm not alone. There's got to be a listener out there going, oh my God, this is me. I, I like to be liked. That's what I realized this boiled down to. It hit me in going, if I say no to this person requesting a refund, they might go out there and badmouth me. They might be pissed off because I have stuck to my terms and conditions and not just given them back their money. Because I get it. I've been on the other side where it's like, oh, shit, I got charged that thing. I was planning on canceling. Hey, can I have a refund? I've been on the other end of that. I get it. And so there's a part of me that's like, oh, I get it. Yeah, like what's the big deal? But there is a big deal. There's a business cost. The reason we have a notice period to be informed about a cancellation is we allocate resources for clients ahead of time. We, you know, we forecast capacity. We know how many clients we can take on. All of that works on the assumption that we know we've got a paying client. And if a client doesn't give us the adequate notice period, we can be you know, over-resourced without the, without the clients and income coming in to pay for that. And so, but I was in this torn situation of just like, because it was made even more complicated because both of these people I personally know. They weren't just complete like random clients who I've personally never met. These are people who are, I have a personal relationship with. There is a friend's relationship. So it was more than just like, this is some person who's been a client of us for a while. There was even more. It's like these people know Carl the human as well, not just they know of automation agency. So I was, I had that going on in my head, going like, oh, like if I reject on this, like I don't know what does that mean. And I was really taught, and I reached out to my networks, and and so I spoke to you, I spoke to some other business people, and and just said, hey guys, this is the situation that's come up. I'm really curious to know how you would handle it. You know, I didn't want to be told how I should handle it. I just wanted to know how would other people who I admire and respect how would they handle it? And you had some really good advice. Do you remember what you said to me? I remember exactly what I said uh, because when you called me, it reminded me of a, uh, a line and a chapter in uh, The Way of the Superior Man uh, by mm. David Data. Uh, and that is to uh, have a healthy masculine. You need to surround yourself with other healthy masculines who will hold you accountable to your word. And will. I think it goes on in the chapter to say, um, you know, uh, men or masculine energies who are around you who can give you friend feedback uh, and, you know, let you know when you're slipping up or let you know when you need to pull your socks up. And, uh, you know, you called me and you asked me for advice. And it was the uh, in the book, I think the example is, uh, you know, a man who continues to say to his friend, hey, you know, I'm not happy in my marriage and I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, having a relationship with another woman, uh, you know, on the side or I'm thinking about doing this. And, and the man who has been called upon for advice says or should say 
well, just do it then. Either choose to be in your marriage or choose to leave your marriage, but either way, make a decision. Now, what came up for me was, okay, my friend's calling me and asking me for advice. And what I can do to serve him, you, best in this moment is to, uh, you know, not it's not about like calling you out, uh, but what I can do best is to hold you accountable. And what I saw was you had, in a way, uh, given your word in your terms, right? Your terms are your word. You've laid out these are the terms. And you had a customer who was outside of those terms requesting a refund. If you were to grant that refund to the customer, you would effectively be breaking your own terms. And what that came up, what came up for me was, well, Carl's outside of his integrity. This is Carl. Uh, if you chose to give the customer the refund, that would be you outside of your integrity. And what that may mean, and I said this, you know, part jokingly, but also to get the point across, I said, you know, well, Carl, can I trust your word? Uh, you know, if you can't keep your customers to your business terms and if you don't hold them accountable, then can I trust anything you say uh, if your terms, if your business terms don't actually mean anything? And that hit me so hard, man. Like in the moment, <laughs> like when you said like, so what you're, I think the, the way I remember receiving it was, so what you're saying is I can't trust your word and what you say. Mm. And that was mm. just like a punch to the, the gut. I was like, ooh. Which ooh. is worse than I don't like Carl. It's I can't yeah. trust Carl. Yeah, and that that hit me. I was like, ooh, and and that's so fascinating because when I was, you know, I was, I was looking at myself, witnessing the thoughts that were coming up. I was like, I can see that the only reason that I am considering going past my terms is because of this fear of what people might say about me, right? This 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 connection to wanting to be liked and giving a shit what people think. Whether from people listening to that you've listened to these episodes and you've thought that you know Carl and Pete, you know we 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 have these high self esteems or whatever. I do. I have a high self esteem in very many ways, but I still get caught up with all this stuff of, at times. Going, I care what people think. I care what people say about me. And, very natural. Um, I'm human, <laughs> and, and it's it was just in that moment. It was so much like, oh, I'm so scared what people might say about the business. And therefore that is a, the business is a reflection of me and what they might be saying about me. And then what someone might write on social media, all of that stuff. And then, yeah, you hit it home and brought it to something that I value far more than what people say about me is my integrity and whether what I say you can trust, you know, obviously between us as close friends, but also just in general, like, I, I, I like to believe that what I say is true, right? Like, but if I say something, you can trust that what I've said comes from full integrity and full truth. And obviously I'm not perfect and I say things in the moment that sometimes aren't uh, skillful, but in this business context, you hit me and you brought something that was a higher value and all of a sudden it, sh it shifted everything. And, and I started to think about that. And then I, again, I got further uh, feedback from some of my other friends coming back going, well, yeah, like it sounds like if your terms are these terms, you know, yeah, sure. It was only like a day after it was charged, but your terms of this thing, like go back to them and just say, look, sorry, this is, this is the reason why we, we have a notice period. You know, just communicate. And I think that's what's the lesson here for all of us that I've taken from this is whether they like it or not is kind of not our problem. It's you've got a term and it's helping communicate why you have that term. Like if the term is just completely nonsensical and there's no genuine reason well then maybe you're just taking the piss out of your customers but if there is a reason you have that right it's about how skillfully you can communicate the reason that's there i understand why they've reached out going oh look it's just i'm only like a day after you charge me surely you can give me my money back like i'm not planning on using your service this month like it, i understand their mentality i understand the concept from the client's end because i've been in that uh, position myself as a customer and I've been in the position where the, where the company has just refunded my money when I asked for it. And you feel good. You go, oh, wow, what an amazing experience. 
And I've been on the side when the client, when the the, the business has said, sorry, no refund. And you go, you get a little like pissed off. How dare they do that to me? So I I get it. And then also to remember that at the end of the day, we're running businesses and Mm. your terms and conditions, what's the point of having terms and conditions if you're not going to stick to what they are? And, uh, but I I would love to get your opinion, Pete, in your experience, because this is a good discussion for, for all of us. Where is that line between when you enforce your terms and conditions? Like, is it a blanket, like, I 100% always enforce my, my um, terms and conditions in, under every circumstance? Or are there, like, gray areas where you go, well, you know what? I don't want to be a complete asshole. I understand this situation. How can I help? What's your position on that? Yeah, I've got, I've got heaps of thoughts on it. Uh, you know, what you shared about uh, wanting to be liked uh, is, you know, is so core. And that's so normal, um, you know. For me, I've uh, for so much of my life felt valued based on being liked. Uh, and so not being liked might mean not being, being feeling like I'm valued. That's a challenge, right? And I would say that's probably the case for many business owners who are more uh, sales, marketing oriented, the more kind of extroverted leaning business owners. Um, that will be a part of if you're someone who's uh, dynamically attracting customers through uh, networking and through the, you know, and that's just who I am. Uh, that's a part of me, at least. It may be a part of um, other business owners or even the listener as well. I think what I've found challenging over the years is when a customer cancels that feeling of rejection. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that brings up a lot of emotions, much deeper than just the, you know, what's in our terms and whether or not we should give them a refund or allow them to cancel outside of contract. Uh, and I remember, you know, many years ago, I've for years and years worked through feelings of uh, rejection and I've worked with professional therapists and gone through that whole process of psychology and everything to work through that. And I remember when I was in my early 20s and we'd have a customer who was maybe paying us $1,000 a month for, uh, you know, IT support in those days in the MSP world. And I would have a customer cancel and I would feel shit for weeks Literally like for weeks, punch to the gut, right? like a punch to the gut, I would feel that rejection in my body. And it wasn't until, you know, part of it was just becoming numb to the emotion. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the other part, the, the other part was actually, you know, dealing with, okay, well, they're not rejecting me. They're saying no to this business service. And it's not about me. Um, you know, it, it's not about me personally. It's about the business and separating and, and, you know, healing and getting better at all of those things. Um, but one very simple strategy that I put in place was to remove myself from being the one who receives those requests. So yeah, having too. a team in place who had taken care of, you know, it was a customer service team and now there's, you know, basically our, we've got a dedicated concierge billing team and they handle all of that stuff. Uh, but I would be lying if I said that it didn't come up when a big customer, you know, because the big ones come to me, if it's a $10,000 refund, they come up and I, still get a bit shitty about that to be completely honest um but let's bring the conversation back to business terms right and where do you find the line uh, well, because well, I, I actually think that what you brought up is is worth exploring and i think i think mm. this is like you know yes we've kind of got a little bit off business terms but it's still coming to the core emotions that we go through that because i i go through this the is the personal thing. bit yeah this yeah, is the, like the, bit. The, the cancellations I, I had to do the exact same thing like cancellations they just 
there was it brought up this like I'm not good enough. I'm like mm. you know like the reflection of the business, and I'm not even the one doing the work. But it's like yeah, this is my reputation. This is like when they're saying no to the business, they're saying no that we, especially if they're leaving and they're not happy with the service, like it's even more of a punch to the gut. So I did the same thing. I had to separate myself from being the person they speak to for cancellations, and that that helped. Do you know what it brings what? up for me? It mm. brings up the fear state. Mm. You know, we talked in a previous episode about having $100,000 in the bank and feeling comfortable and being able to sleep well at night. One cancellation, bang, will bring me straight back into that fear state of I don't have enough or we might not have it or I'm going to lose it all or nobody nobody likes me. Everyone's going to reach Yeah, <laughs> I get it. I, yeah, it's totally the same. Like exactly one, one client goes, oh, my God, one client's leaving and they're not happy. They're all not happy. I'm, the company's going down. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Titanic. We're sinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and you know, one of the strategies that has worked for me, uh, but similar to you, like as soon as I get brought, it comes to my attention. Like if it's a client just cancelling day to day, all I see is numbers move. Mm. And I hate it from a client experience point of view, the idea that we're, I'm even thinking about my customers as a number rather than a person. Like I hate that you, you're losing that small business edge, you know, becoming a big business and it's just numbers and no one wants to feel like a number. I don't want to feel yeah. like a number. Hmm. But as a leader, to manage my own emotional state, I had to be able to look at cancellations purely as a metric. That was it. Hmm. We got this many new clients and we lost this many clients. When I look at the num- numbers point of view, as long as the number's not crazy high, I can feel comfortable with that. As soon as you bring in the personal element of who it was that left, why they left, what they said when they left, as soon as that hits me, the emotions come flying in. That's when I start mm. to feel, you know, shit. I, you know, I feel shit for a bit and then I go, okay, what can I do about it? How do we fix it? But I still, it does, you're right, it brings up that fear state. And it's, um, I don't know, it's interesting. Like I, I don't like, I like the fact that measuring by metrics takes the emotion out of it. But there is from a client experience point of view, I don't, I don't ever want to feel like we as a company or me as a leader is thinking about my customers purely as numbers and not as people. I think you have two hats here. You have the emotional hat of, well, let's start with the financial one. You have the CEO hat, which is, okay, taking into perspective, one client cancelling does not equal stress or any kind of problem for the business. It's absolutely fine. And you have to have that perspective when you're responding to your team, when you're enforcing your business terms and and those kind of things. That's perspective that you have to have. Then you put on your emotional hat and that's where you fix the problem. You ask the question of, why did the customer leave? Is this part of a trend? Is this something that we didn't do well enough on our side? Um, do we need to um, you know, update our processes or could we provide more value for this customer to be a customer forever? Now, not every customer is going to be a customer forever. That's just how things work. But for us in subscription businesses, that is everything. We need to be able to provide value over a long period of time. And yeah, from time to time, someone goes into liquidation and you, you, know, you can't stop that, obviously. But any time that we have a customer who is cancelling out of our service, I want to know why. Because Mm. that is one customer that we could maybe have provided more value to or something else that allowed us to continue to be valuable over time. Uh, And that's just, you know, that's that's so important. Like, you know, uh, you've got three ways to grow your business. You can either 
uh, you know, bring on new customers, you can sell more to your existing customers, or you can increase your prices. Uh, and the second one, selling more to your existing customers, that's got like a little subnote, which is you can keep your current customers for longer. <laughs> you know, yeah, you and, and, and subscription, they're buying again and again and they're again. They're buying more so. and more. And so the longer yeah. you can keep them on the subscription, um, or the longer you can keep the business relationship with them if you're not formally in a subscription with them, um, the you know, the more you'll be able to have that valued relationship with the customer. Yeah, I 100% agree. I, I, I'm a big believer in, you know, the more it's far better and easier to continue to market and grow your business by keeping your existing customers happy and selling more. Um, and it, it, actually, you just I had a thought come up that I think is worth touching on. I'm curious from your experience, when you removed yourself from being the person that people came to the cancel, how has your team who are client facing with the cancellations, how do they handle their emotion about the cancellations? Does it affect them like it used to affect you or are they far less uh, impacted? The finance team who are pretty logical don't really worry about it too much. However, we've recently made it the responsibility of the accounts management uh, team. So like our um, you know customer relationship team. They do take it on a bit. Not only do they want to see the business grow, that's important to them, uh, but they also, you know, don't want to feel like we're not delivering value to customers. Uh, and so it does come up for everyone. And the reality is, even though we are a scaled business, we are still a small business in the fact that we're servicing customers and every single one of our customer relationships is critically important. And so our team know that they need to look after every customer and every customer that cancels, we really do care about. And that's something that came up really interestingly in us working through our uh, staff churn, because we're trying to get staff churn down to zero. Like we're trying to not, and, and you know, we don't ever want, want everyone to stay with us forever, but we're, we're trying to, as much as possible, remove any reasons why our staff wouldn't want to work with us as a company. We want to do as much as we can to build long-term relationships with our team. And we've got amazing team members who, for the most part, stay with us a very long time. And something that we uncovered just in the last week was that in a call center, uh, and many of, our, many of our staff are ex-call uh, centers that worked for you know larger organizations, if you burn a customer or a customer cancels, nobody cares. It doesn't matter. Because if you're a Telstra uh, or you know some other large-scaled organization who has tens of thousands of customers as businesses, then they just don't care about the individual customer. Whereas in our company culture inside IT Genius, if a customer cancels, like it's a big deal and we really care about it. And our team have actually felt pressure because of that. They felt pressure in working for us that they didn't feel in previous roles when they'd worked for Telstra or worked for um, you know other businesses, and so that's something interesting that came up. You know, not that we're shaming or guilting or being super hard on our team or instilling fear uh, in any deliberate way at all, but just having that uh, that focus there has put a bit of extra pressure on our team. Uh, the good thing is we're growing. We're adding many more customers than we are um, uh, customers that, uh, that that cancel our services. So overall, as an organisation, we're doing well. And I think that's the perspective that I try and bring to our team. Um, as long as we are learning every customer that that uh, cancels or that stops doing business with us, as long as we can learn what ways might we have been able to give them more value, that's all that matters. And then we try and build that in for all the customers that we do have. Oh, absolutely. You know, that, 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 you know the exit survey or the, you know, the cancel, post-cancellation mm. survey, whether you're yeah. doing that on the phone or whether you're doing it from an actual like digital survey response, the goal that comes from that for the people who are prepared to, to share the reasons that they're cancelling, you know, it, it can hurt to hear, but the value you can get is, is 
crucial and it's the only way automation has improved over time and we've added things that have dramatically added more value to our to our services because yeah. of those complaints and, and it's interesting my, my team as well same thing when i separated myself from cancellations they started i could see the emotional impact they were having when like you know one or two cancellations not a big deal but if all of a sudden in one week like six or seven cancellations came in like on the meetings there would be a there'd be this heaviness of like oh you know i'm feeling so we actually had to do something where it was like also in our leadership slack channel we get piped all the negative feedback so with our service every task completed a client can rate how, how it went and anytime someone says it was not good and they give a comment of why that comes into our leadership channel and so i noticed that we were having this ongoing just negative narrative happening <laughs> so what we had to do is go okay well hold on not every yeah all we're hearing about is the negative but there's positive happening too. Why don't we start piping all the awesome feedbacks in as well? What if we created a digest? So we use Zapier now, every awesome feedback gets added to a digest in Zapier. So at the end of the day, there's one chat, one post that comes out with like, here's all the awesome that we've got today. And that wow, helps balance great. out that negative narrative. And I think that's in, important for any of us who have, whether you've got a team like, like Pete and I do, or whether it's just you, if you're feeling like everything's going bad right now, there's a high chance that it's because you're not paying attention to the good. You're only paying attention to the squeaky wheels who are usually, sadly, the squeaky wheels are the not happy clients. And it can make you forget that they're hopefully the minority in your business. They are at least in mine, thankfully, um, but they're there. And it's, a, it's an emotional turmoil on that. Um, I think we should wrap that up and come back to our terms and conditions um, mm. stuff that we started with though. And ultimately knowing that whether you choose to enforce your terms and conditions or not, you, if you're not enforcing your terms and conditions, like I wasn't, I'm putting my hand up. Like I, I it came to my attention to go, like we had one particular client who uh, after three months of being with us, uh, his account canceled. And so I chose, I didn't personally know this person very well. Uh, I think I'd had a, one interaction over an email with him before he, he kind of canceled. And I looked into his account. And I was just looking at his account and I was like, hold on, there's been like credits and refunds. There's been a lot going on in this account. Hold on, we're not, we don't even technically do refunds. Like that's when I dug deeper and that's when it became clear to me that the customer service team, you know, while we had this term, there was this feeling of like we should give. And I realized that that came from the top down. That came from me because of my fears of, because there'd been scenarios that had happened where something had happened and I'd be like, oh, let's just give them a credit. Let's just give them a like." Because I wanted to be liked. I wanted to try and make the pain, the feeling I had of we've let them down go away by just throwing money at it. Mm -hmm. um, and I lost perspective of how that was impacting. And I think it's really important that if you're building a business to scale, the terms and conditions are there for a reason. You know, And if they're not, if you have a term that's not there for a reason, then maybe you don't need that term. Get rid of it. Um, but that's there a, that's is a reason. That's a great, simple way to approach it. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think like that, that's, that's, that's all, that's all you need. You need, you need simple terms. Uh, I think you need terms that you would want to, you would feel are reasonable to be a recipient of. That's probably a good test. Uh, you know, if you think, well, you know, how would I feel to be on, uh, the other side of that? Um, you, you know, you, you feel that one through. Um, but, you know, what's, what's the difference between being, you know, nice versus being an asshole. Uh, you know, we talked about that before we started airing. You know, where is the line on that niceness and actually enforcing the terms? Because let's let's be real. Like when we're talking about business terms in a small business landscape, the terms actually mean nothing contractually, legally. 
because anyone can go to a small claims court, anyone can you know start writing legal letters, you can back charge with a credit card if you want to. There's all these avenues of not paying, right? And I got very sound advice from a lawyer when I was young who said, unless your dispute is over $100,000, do not bother. Just suck it up and eat it. And so I've had claims of $10,000 and $20,000 and you know I'm talking years and years ago. We very rarely have any of those kind of disputes because we got good on our terms. Um, but you know, in those cases, whatever you've got written down on a piece of paper means nothing compared to the time and legal costs and everything if you have to go into a court. And I had one customer who, and I'm talking about like eight years ago now, we'd worked with for a year. We delivered monitoring services on their server and all that kind of stuff, right? Because that's what we were doing in the old days, still managing Windows servers and everything. And we delivered all of these monitoring services. We delivered support services. And I think we'd charged around four or $5,000 for the year. And uh, that customer requested a refund. And we said, well, hey, look, here's all the reports. We've delivered. We've solved tickets. We've done all these things. And that customer, I think, because of some internal emotional challenges that were happening with other directors in the business, she had, I think, on a psychological level, been embarrassed that she had... Uh, uh, employed us and we, in her mind, hadn't ob- achieved an objective that she needed to achieve, uh, she claimed that we had delivered nothing and uh, was prepared to go to small claims court, got an expert witness, apparently, uh, who uh, had not verified all of the reports that we'd sent to show that we were actually monitoring, to show that we'd actually delivered everything, but still made a claim for $5,000. And of course, that was going to go to court. And so what do I do? Do I waste days and days of my time to go and deal with that? Or do I just pay it out? And that sucks. Like that absolutely sucks. Anyway, long way of saying the point is the terms don't mean shit unless you can actually have some way of enforcing them. And that again kind of comes down to, well, are the terms reasonable? How do you set them? And then how are you going to choose to enforce them? Um, How well are you communicating the reason behind them as well, right? And how well are you going to communicate that? Because that came up in our conversation, Carl, when, when we talked about uh, well, how am I going to let the customer know that these are our terms? And and you suggested to me, well, Pete, you know, I'm just going to let them know these are my terms and I'm going to stick to them. And what my thought that came up for me was, well, what's in it for them? Because that's what the customer cares about, right? What the the what's in it for what's in it for me principle? And uh, Carl's terms, being Carl's rules, doesn't really have anything in it for the end customer. Uh, but I helped you with a reframe there in that moment by being able to say and share, well. The reason that you're enforcing the uh, the or one one way of expressing it could be the reason that you're enforcing the term is because your uh, the terms are there for you to stock your team and make sure that when customers engage with you they're getting great service and that's the reason why you've been able to deliver the way that you've been able to deliver. Now that's something that the customer goes, oh wow, you know what? Yeah, Carl did actually deliver pretty well while I was a customer of his, and so I understand why he would enforce this rule so you know he can make sure that he continues to deliver. Now, in that moment, does the customer actually care? Well, kind of not really. Like they're cancelling. They don't care about how you're going to service the rest of your customers or how they might service uh, how you might service them in the future. Um, so, you know, how did you how did you handle that? Uh, you know, in that situation where the customer was just two days past the notice period and wanted to cancel. Well, yeah, I mean, the, I ended up personally reaching out to him since I, I knew him. Um, and I just said, like, because the customer service team had gone back to him and said, oh, look, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to escalate this up to management about the refund. We've cancelled your account. Be Rest assured there'll be no further charges to your account, no problem. 
um, and had been sitting there for a little while. And so I reached out to him and just said, hey, man, like, I just want to let you know why there's been a delay on this. You know, normally we would not be giving a refund or even considering a refund because it wasn't in the adequate terms and time. Um, and I just kind of shared that with him. And he ended up coming back going, oh, that's fine. Like, I want to do buy the right thing. Like, I understand the value of terms and conditions. And um, we, we were able to just come to, to an agreement that, it was like, yeah, he gets it. I was able to communicate why it was there. And I just told him it was because he was a friend that I was really I was really a bit more torn about how to handle it. And I, I went to him and said, look, I want to find a way to make this win-win. And uh, thankfully, he was gracious enough to be like, no, man, like I get it. That's your terms. I believe in, in you know people following their terms and I want to do business the right way. And so he was uh, accepting of this is what the terms were and he was out of it. And he, he accepted that, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a huge sense of relief when that happened because it was like, oh, okay. And it's really interesting to, to, you know, I've just been reminded of something that a few of my friends have said in the past. A lot of my friends, uh, you know, I, I don't have lock-in contracts. So our service, at least at the time of recording, is a month-by-month. Month. Unless you go on our annual plan, it's just a month-by-month month arrangement. Uh, but a lot of my friends um, run programs where it might be like a 14-month commitment or 18-month commitment, but it's being paid for monthly. And what that business model can have, and maybe you listening have a similar business model, what can come up in that business model is someone six months into their 14-month contract, but because they've been paying for it monthly, they kind of forget that they've committed to a contract and they feel like they can just stop paying halfway through. And one of the things that a number of my friends have, have said in the past, which I really like, is if you let them off, you let them down. Mm. It's there, There's an element of you in your integrity, but there's also an element of them in their integrity. They can made a commitment to a contract at a certain period of time. They committed to something in particular. And if you just go, oh, look, sure, no problems. Like, let me get you out of, you know, you're six months in, let's cancel it. If you just bend over and let them do that, you're letting them down. They, they came to you because they wanted a specific outcome. The reason they're potentially canceling with you is they're not feeling like they're getting that outcome. So rather than go, sure, here's your money, see you later, um, or, you know, cancel contract, you're out, no problems knowing full well that you'd forecast based on that, you expected to have that uh, you know, 18 months worth of money and then you're only six months in, you're better off reaching out to those people and going, well, hey, what's actually going on? How can we help you get back on track? What can we do to get you? Do you need a month reprieve? Maybe we can you know, give you a month of no, no fees or half price fees while we get you back on track and then you can start paying full price and we'll just add another month on the end of your 18-month contract. You know? These are some of the things that that um, I've I've learned, and I just really love that idea of going. Well, if you let, if they, there are people out there who act from fear themselves, I've experienced it in my client base, where the reason they're coming out with their handout going on like a refund. I want sometimes it's it's got nothing to do with your own service. I know that's happened in my business. I'm sure it's happened to you, Pete. They come to you out of no fault to you, and they want to end it. They want to cancel the relationship but they came to you with a problem they wanted solved. Chances are that problem still hasn't been solved or they still need yeah. what they came to you for. And there's a reason of fear. Maybe it's in their end. Cash has got tight. Maybe they're going through a divorce. Something else is happening in their world that's put pressure on them. They're panicking. They're going, I want to cancel. I want to get out. And if we just go, oh, yeah, see you later, we're, we're letting them down if we're not delivering on what the original promise was. And I really love that frame of reference too to kind of think about. And that's something that, that I'm always conscious of going, okay, Hold on. Yes, they're asking for this, but really, what's the underlying thing? And is 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 just giving them what they're asking for the best thing for them? And, I, and some might say, "Well, how do I know what's the best thing for them?" You ask them. You get on a conversation with them. You try to understand the situation. Mm. Um, so that's just another frame of reference that I think is a really powerful one when it comes to a, these concepts. Because 
I mean, do you do, you do lock-in contracts, Pete? We have a annual plan, which is paid for uh, upfront annually. Um, right. We do also have monthly plans. Less people will take those up. A lot of people pay for their licenses monthly for G Suite. Uh, Dialpad is now available monthly, um, but the majority of customers will pay annually. We'll sometimes have a payment plan, um, but being a service that is a utility, uh, we're able to you know, switch that off if a customer doesn't pay. Um, so the, the payment terms are, uh, are generally pretty clear. What we do with cancellations, I my opinion is if a customer calls us and says that they'd like to cancel, then we've already failed uh, because uh, for us, our, our account management, our customer service team should be in touch with customers and should be uh, managing customers through their journey. Uh, and so we should be in touch with them months before they're up for any kind of renewal uh, and actually talking through how things are going. Or if a customer is cancelling when they're up to their uh, you know, renewal anniversary, we're already going to know about it uh, because we already kind of know what the history is with that customer or you know, a particular product didn't solve a particular problem for them uh, in whatever way. Um, it's not much that we are in the point of doing refunds, but a little hot tip for the listener uh, is in your terms, you should build in enough buffer time uh, so that you can actually, uh, you know, give the refund and it doesn't hurt you. For example, Carl, you know, your terms were, you know, someone needs to let you know at least two days before. I would suggest perhaps extending that out to 14 days before the renewal. And then if someone comes to you and they're 12 days before the renewal rather than 14 days, then, you know, you've got a bit of time to discuss it, A. Um, but B, you know, you've got, you're not going to be like out of pocket and it's, you're not refunding because I hate refunding. If someone lets me know before the charge happens, yeah, that's fine. Uh, but actually processing refunds, um, you know, I don't like ever doing that. And and there's, you know, there's fees and all those kind of things yeah, that start exactly. to come into it as well. Yeah, exactly. giving a refund, you know. Like it, but it's just, it not, actually... it's just not a great experience for the customer at the end of the day, right? You know, they, they've had the money taken out of their account and that feels like a little bit of a, a you know, personal insult at times um, uh, for them. And, uh, you know, and, and we don't want that. Um, so, Carl, I think one of the most important things here is for businesses to reach scale because that's what we're all about, right? Helping businesses, you know, break out of the the business owner being stuck into the business and turning, helping your business turn into a performance business or a performance style business. You can still have the lifestyle in there, but helping businesses kind of break through. Uh, one of the most important things here is to break through that niceness, break through being lax with your terms, hold your integrity in check and your customer's integrity in check. Now, when you can do that, when you can get really good on that, you actually upgrade your thinking and you start thinking like a Telstra. You start thinking like a larger organization. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be that organization and you absolutely don't want to be. You, you know, if you're a small business, you want to keep that, that small business edge with your customers, um, but you want to have the mindset shift so that you can operate with the mindset of a larger business and uh, that's where you'll start to see success is, uh, well, that's in my experience where I saw success when I started to think about that kind of business. And I have written down in my goals for the year, like think like a $10 million a year CEO. That's how and I should a big, think. A big part of that is, I think, is managing by metrics. You manage by the numbers, right? Like, yes, yeah. you keep the people side of it to know what's going on, to stay in touch with customer awareness. But ultimately, the management decisions you make should be based on more the metric. What are the numbers telling you? Because I, in my experience, at least, you're, the emotion can take control and you can make these decisions that ultimately aren't serving your greater business dreams, desires, um, 
Whereas when you're getting hard data of these are the numbers, this is the percentage of churn, this is that, this is that, you, you can make a clear decision about, oh, is the world ending? Or is it just like, oh, actually, that was just a really unhappy customer, but on the overall scheme of things, we're still doing fine. Yeah. I would also say in the time of recording, uh, we have an economic situation where a lot of people are cancelling right now. You know, if you're a gym uh, or if you're a, you know, maybe a professional services business, which is not deemed to be absolutely critical or just any kind of business, your customers are likely getting in touch with you and having these kinds of conversations. And so if your reality is right now that you are starting to really have some concerns about cash flow with the number of customers that are cancelling, well, unfortunately, you need to look at your expenses and look after the health of your business. Um, and so let's be real, that creates a cascading effect for the economy and that is an unfortunate thing. Um, but the worst thing for the economy is for your business to fail. Um, it's better for you to cut some expenses, cut the business down to some basics yourself and actually survive and make it through tough economic times when they are there rather than actually allow your business to collapse, which you know is detrimental to a number of people. Mm. And that cascade is, is really crucial. I, th- I, you know, I think it's worth reminding yourself that you know if someone cancels with you, which then causes you to have a cash flow impact, so you cancel something that's going to potentially impact their cash flow and they're going to cancel something or let go of a staff member and it kind of continues to flow on. And I, the only thing I would say on that, I 100% agree, ultimately though, if you are getting to a position where you need to categorize, you need to cut your costs, the first thing you should do is categorize those costs. Is it an essential? Is it an investment or is it a luxury? Look at your entire cost. And that's how I categorize across those three things. Essentials, investments, luxuries. Essentials, you generally don't really want to cut them because that's essential to keeping your lights on and your business going. And then your, your luxuries, they're the things that you might cut or downgrade. And then your investments, if they're still giving you a return, then in my opinion, you would be crazy to cut that. In fact, you should double down on those. You're running ads and they're working. Double down, spend more on your ads. You're using a service like Automation NT or IT Genius and you're getting a return for your investment. Double down on that. Use it more. Upgrade to a higher plan. Well, how can you get more value out of what's working? Um, whereas I think in, in, a, in a, a scarcity mindset of fear, it's easy to go, oh, I'm going to cut everything. I'm going to cut back all my costs. And without understanding the true implication of me cutting that cost, you know, like as an example, if someone's paying me $250 a month, but we're helping them build out um, webinars and, and funnels and marketing materials and ultimately help them sell $20,000 programs, that would be a crazy investment to, to cut $250 a month when you're, you're bringing in 20 grand from that over the next couple of months. You know, like that's just in my head, that's this crazy investment. Why would you cut that? But it's, you know, if you're spending $1,000 a month on something that's not giving you a result, or if you're working with a coach and, you know, you're, you're feeling like I've been there where you get to a certain level with a coach where you feel like you've kind of hit equilibrium, you know, like usually there's a big growth curve where you're meeting up to your coach, but eventually you get to a point where it's like, I feel like we're just peers. That might be a time to consider whether they're the best coach for you right now. And maybe they are and you just haven't asked the right questions or maybe it's time to move and find a new coach. Um, so that's another area you can also look at too. Interesting. I think it's time for a wrap on this one. Uh, Carl, thanks so much for sharing. This has been another episode of Entrepreneurs Rising. You can check out everything on uh, the the blog on Entrepreneurs.
rising.show. <laughs> Nearly rising.show is where it is. <laughs> and uh, we'll have all the show notes and the links and bits and pieces. We would love to hear your comments. Now, if you'd be so kind as to leave a rating, we would love that as well in your favorite podcasting app or service. Uh, but if you want to get in touch with us, check out all of our details. And uh, if you want to leave some comments uh, on the blog or on the show, we would also love that as well. Carl, any final thoughts? Just go out and be awesome, everyone. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to see your beautiful face. Don't let these don't let these get you down. Just like uh, the one minute manager, catch a team doing something right, catch uh, catch a business doing something right. Don't let the uh, the refunds and the cancellations get you down, guys. You'll be good. Bye. Bye.